On August 19, 2003, Sergio de Mello, the head of United Nations Mission in Baghdad, was killed along with members of his team and other civilians. We're here to look back at what happened on that Tuesday at the United Nations headquarters based at the Canal Hotel, and we'll together find who killed de Mello. In this episode of Who Killed Demelo, we'll discuss the two powerful men in Iraq. One known for his achievements in conflict zones, and the second by authority given to him by Security Council. One Iraq and two men. Those are Sergio Demelo and Paul Bremer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Who Killed DeMello. This is Leila, and I'm glad you're here today with me to look back at Iraq in mid-2003 and the two men who were supposed to work together to rebuild Iraq, but throughout the days, a conflict grew between them. Those are DeMello, the Secretary General's representative, who didn't have any formal authority in Iraq per Security Council Resolution 1483. On contrary, Paul Bremer, by the same resolution, 1483, had all the power and the formal authority in Iraq. And since the words power and Bremer should never be in the same sentence, but for the sake of who killed DeMello, and for a moment, they will. DeMello, who had a long history of achievements, led Timor-Leste to independence. The man helped in repatriation of thousands of people in Cambodia and in other conflict zones. In some, he was the fixer, as he was known among leaders and his co-workers. And yet, he was now in Iraq, unable to have a big role in rebuilding the tor- war-torn country. Versus Paul Bremer who had the full authority as he was the head of the CPA in Iraq. And by the way, Paul Bremer served in the foreign service field. He was appointed by Ronald Reagan back in the 80s, the ambassador for the Netherlands, even if he didn't speak any Dutch. Paul Bremer, later and under Reagan, was the head of counterterrorism agency and Guess what? Guess when it was the very first appearance for Bremer in the media? Early afternoon of September 11th, 2001. He appeared on television that day and blamed the attacks on Iraq and Iran. Well, some conspiracy theorists accuse Paul Bremer of what happened that day, I mean. They say he's behind the attacks of September the 11th. That's way too much, guys. And since this is not my area, I'm here only to focus on who killed DeMello. And let's stick with our two guys here today. And on June 2nd, 2003, DeMello arrived in Baghdad. He came with a plan and a vision. Sergio, a man of integrity, knew what he wanted for the Iraqis, and he was there to help them fulfill them goals. As an Iraqi, I found it very thoughtful of him. For the minute DeMello landed in Iraq, he said that the Iraqis have suffered enough for many years and they deserve 
a good life. A few days before that, Paul Bremer arrived in Iraq. He was now the new ruler of Iraq. He was given the highest power ever Iraq had. I remember back then when I saw him, I mean, I thought, who is this nice looking guy? I was so ready to like him and all that. I didn't know he'd screw the country up. Guys, no other person did more damage to Iraq in short period than Bremer. And because of him, the Iraqis would suffer for the upcoming years. And up till today, as we see what's happening with corruption and unrest, that's because of Paul Bremer. If you recall in the second episode that Bremer, in 2004, he passed a law that the Iraqis now have to buy, that Iraqis have to buy seats from Monsanto. Other damages he, dis- he did was he dismantled the Iraqi army. And during his year in Iraq, there was $40 billion missing from Iraq's oil revenue. $40 billion with a B. That's who Bremer was, y'all. I can go on and on about the orders he enacted before leaving Iraq that only benefited the U.S. interest in Iraq. He wasn't there to rebuild and bring democracy to the Iraqis. Anyway, let's go back to Mr. DeMello, the fixer that was willing to help the Iraqis, but he didn't have the power. And that frustrated him, of course. For him, being in Iraq was to fix Iraq. But for the coalition forces, he was there to help them to do to do it their own way. But of course, DeMello didn't want that. He tried right off the bat to disassociate himself from the coalition forces. If you notice most of DeMello's speeches that he delivered while he was assigned in Iraq from June until he was killed in August, he always formed his sentences in a negative form, as, he, as if he was always reacting, not acting. He said, and now, for example, I'm not an American puppet. And here is another one. What we have learned in the United Nations is that such processes must be led by nationals. We must never come with our own models. In them speeches, he always sounded as if he was comparing himself and who he represented it to Paul Bremer and the U.S.-led mission in Iraq. That summer, and in an interview he gave to a Western TV, he stated that you can occupy a country with a military force, but you cannot restore law and order with military force. Military men make the worst policemen. Then how could Sergio Tumelo then work with the occupiers? In his meetings with the Iraqis and as a United Nations envoy, he frequently made it clear that the UN encouraged involvement from a wide range of Iraqi groups and wished to ensure that any reforms were supported from the ground up. He also warned against holding elections too early in the process of rebuilding, the rebuilding that was being delayed because of the U.S. presence in Iraq. He was waiting for Paul Bremer to announce when the occupation would be over. Yes, that early of mid-2003. DeMello's biggest fear was he'd been told by Paul Bremer what to do. He even told 
Salame, his advisor in Iraq, je ne serai jamais Brumello. That's French for I will never become Brumello. This is a strong language, y'all. This showed clearly the tension between those two men. Even earlier, and when DeMello landed in Baghdad airport, he was supposed to give a press interview or media speech, whatever, and at, right at the tarmac. But Bremer had stolen the spotlight and had all the journalists reported to the Green Zone for, the sa- for some kind of dog shit conference. We don't know what it was. But Sergio DeMello started working as soon as he got to Iraq with the Iraqis. His job was to listen, listen to the Iraqis. He'd converse with them, not dictate to them, for he wasn't there to tell the Iraqis what they're supposed to do. The Iraqis trusted Sergio Dumelo simply because he wasn't the occupier. He was known for his peacekeeping missions. Unlike the American side, Paul Bremer was a military occupier. Let me just give you an example. Sergio wanted to know how Iraqis think, what the problems were. Yes, he knew his limits in the region and didn't want to pretend he knew it all. Remember when we said the only country in the region he worked in was Lebanon back in early 1980s? But this time in Iraq, he surrounded himself with good staff. By mid-July, DeMello was able to see the quick results of his labor. The Iraqi transitional team was established. And we'll get back to that later, by the way. Let me make it clear that the United Nations mission in Iraq wasn't only humanitarian, but political. DeMello helped the Americans forming the Iraqi government council, yes. He traveled to most Iraqi provinces and met with Iraqis to get an idea and uh, to reconcile Kurds, Shiites, and Sunnis and get the country back on its feet. But Paul Bremer, the U.S. envoy, knew the only power DeMello had, not as a representative for general secretary in Iraq, but, but as a United Nations Human Rights High Commissioner, the post that DeMello was still maintaining, even if he was on a special assignment in Iraq. He was still maintaining the post, and Bremer knew that as soon as the four months would be over, Sergio DeMello, as a high commissioner for human rights, would bring or send his team to Iraq and condemn the occupation. Sergio DeMello said once that Iraqis know that human rights conditions will make or break Iraq. DeMello told Mr. Bremer once, I'm not accusing your soldiers of abuse. I'm saying you don't have the checks and balances in place to guard against abuse. Let me make this clear, the conflict between the two men. Sergio didn't only have the power to bring his team of human rights to Iraq, but he was planning to go back to Geneva and bring the United Nations human rights to Iraq and make the Americans accountable for their acts in Iraq and the crimes they were committing against civilians, against journalists, against kids. Let me give you a good picture of the clash between DeMello and Bremer about human rights abuse. The U.S. Army 
detained thousands of men at one of their camps. And this is, guys, this is the, not even six months in the war. It started in March. We're talking here about like June. And those, four months, yeah. And those camps are not fit to high volume of detainees. So the living conditions were bad. You're talking about bad hygiene, scabies, uh, perhaps sexual abuse. Demela knew about it and told Paul Bremer that something has to be done, such as shortening the detention period to a few days instead of a few weeks and have the uh, detainees go through trial instead of just sitting there and waiting for God only knows what. Many of the detainees in uh, the facilities were even juveniles. And once again, you remember in the second episode, we mentioned that DeMello visited President Bush in March of 2003. I think March 5th. His main concern was the families of men detained at Guantanamo. They wanted to know about men held at Guantanamo and their um, whereabouts. Same thing here in Iraq. Paul Bremer does not mention none of that, of course, in his book, My Year in Iraq. He only wrote in his memoir about him taking DeMello to Abu Ghraib prison and after it was reopened and refurbished. Later, in less than a year, and in that prison, a scandal broke out. And we all know the Abu Ghraib sexual abuse scandal and the waterboarding. DeMello saw that coming. It was total normal result of the occupation. The detention centers and Abu Ghraib prison were always the reason the two men clashed, beside killing journalists, civilians, policemen, by mistake. Just to let you know how bad the relationship was between the two men, as the tension escalated between the two men, and in a meeting on July 15th, no one else was allowed in the meeting, and this is per Bremer's request, and DeMello was known for speaking loudly. I mean, the volume of his speaking struck some of being on the loud side, even if his, I mean, his co-workers uh, would joke, jokely say that, call him uh, the general, for he was the boss after all. I mean, he wasn't an obnoxious man or anything, but he, was, he just spoke with power. So at that meeting, Bremer and DeMello, the two professional men, lost it. The debate led to a quarrel, and the quarrel became a disagreement, and the disagreement turned into a hot argument that could be heard outside Bremer's office. DeMello got fed up as the war was going into its six months in Iraq, and there was no democracy, no security, no jobs. American troops were mistreating the Iraqis. DeMello didn't like to be dictated to by Paul Bremer, or questioned by him. Bremer accused DeMello on holding meetings with the Iraqis in a closed meetings. Per Samantha Power in her book, Chasing the Flame, she wrote that when Paul Bremer learned about a meeting that DeMello had with one of the Shiite clerics, Ayatollah, uh, his name is Hussein Ismail al-Sadr, Paul Bremer, God enraged and accused DeMello of encouraging the Iraqis to ask for 
democracy. Let me read this to you. Vieira de Mello understood Bremer's concerns about the time it would take uh, to organize an election, but he thought that if Bremer started to find democracy inconvenient, the U.S.-led mission was doomed. This is who Paul Bremer, my dear friends, is. And in the future episodes, I'll tell you more about Bremer and why he didn't want Dumelo and the UN all together in Baghdad. Till then, please subscribe to Who Killed Dumelo. <laughs>